I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before Gene and I got married, I, I envisioned a romantic holiday for us. So we traveled there and we walked the moors in the rain. And uh, we've been back there now four or five times. Welcome to... A lot to learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Thank you for joining us for a very special A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers. If you didn't tune in last week, please check out part one of my two-part interview with Alex Trebek because, well, this is part two. I'll wait. Now that everyone's up to speed... As we concluded last week, Mr. Alex Trebek, host of Jeopardy and cultural icon, showed me his garage, discovered a leak therein, and excused himself to investigate. In the meantime, I sat a while in Alex's home office with my producer, Maria, and Allison, Jeopardy's director of communications. We idly chat for a few minutes until Alex's return, and then began on Alex's travels in England and his love of the Brontes. I hope you enjoy part two of this very special interview. Welcome back for part two with America's best friend and Canada's best friend, Alex Trebek. Thank you again, Alex, for uh, allowing us to interview you in your lovely home. Um, But you've got a home away from home according to many sources, and that is your and Jean's love of the English countryside and that of the Brontes. Yeah, and this year, Jean's birthday was on September 12th, and I decided, I told her a couple of weeks before that, I said, you know what, sweetie, why don't we go to England and visit Haworth, the home of the Brontes, and spend a little time in Yorkshire. And she was so surprised she started to cry because I I don't usually do things like that. And uh, we did. We were gone six days. We had a marvelous time. I'll show you some pictures. And uh, as a side trip while we were there, I took her to visit Whitby. Now, you're a Jeopardy champion. Whitby, a fishing village on the northeast coast of England. What... Is it famous for, among other things? Whitby, a fishing village on the northeast coast of England. Yikes. We had our picture taken by a local, and oddly enough, it just happened to coincide with us standing next to a sign that said, Myths and Legends. Okay, who would be mythological in the northeast coast and fishing. Ooh, I don't know. Whitby was Count Dracula's place of arrival in England. Oh, really? I did not know that. This one you don't need to see. It's just, uh, just before we started shooting the Tournament of Champions, I uh, had them take a picture of me with my facial hair growing in. (laughs) It's gonna disappear. 
and then this is Gene and the kids. The kids flew in uh, on Gene's birthday from California and New York just to surprise her, and they surprised her while we were touring the Bronte Parsonage. That's right, the building behind us, and uh, so they Gene, showed up. While you guys were there, yep. that's that's a military operation there, keeping that under wraps. Yeah, but uh, you have to keep in mind, uh, Emily is so sharp, and what she had done before we left on vacation, she picked up Jean's cell phone, and she said, let me just make sure that you have it uh, set properly for when you go to Europe, and you'll be able to use it while you're in England. But what she did was she pressed some buttons that shows you where that phone is <laughs> she turned on the tracking the tracker and so she knew exactly where both of them landed in england at around 7 30 in the morning matthew rented a car they drove two hours to haworth the home of the brontes and they knew exactly where we were in the in the grounds in the museum <laughs> and they walked up the rear stairs and surprised her and this is me on that trip also because i wanted genie to uh, uh spend a little time with me at some of the old abandoned cistercian abbeys that was fountains was this one of the ones destroyed during henry the eighth's purge oh, of the oh, abbeys yeah they yeah. were all destroyed during right. Henry the eighth's purge yeah and so this was fountains a beautifully uh laid out one and we also spent time at revo abbey and uh, in Manchester itself, which was kind of pleasant. It's a, it's a lovely city. It's it's on the up and up. Yeah. And uh, it has two marvelous soccer teams, so that pleases the English It has Atlanta. zero marvelous soccer teams, from my opinion. <laughs> uh, there's a fo show we watch uh, called... Um, the million pound menu and it has um it has a restaurant aspiring restaurateurs uh uh talk to it's sort of shark tank for mm -hmm. restaurants and they talk to a group of investors and the investors to give each of these restaurateurs a test case actually do the test restaurant in manchester which i thought was curious but it seems to be on the pulse of urban uh britain more than london is and they can if it plays in manchester it will obviously play in london but it will then play in sheffield and birmingham and stuff like that and also another thing another thing that's happening up there in yorkshire yorkshire has developed a great culinary following and they have all the agriculture they need they're all the products and it's farm to table sort of thing and they are a going part of england right now they're happening right Yorkshire, and we love it and driving through the countryside and the the automobile we rented was a mid-sized car thank god Oh, because the roads. Uh, the roads, because the GPS took me down roads that were just as wide as the car. And you're going down this road, and all of a sudden you come face-to-face -face with a big tractor. And someone has to back up. The you're, little guy. You're that, you're that someone. But uh, a wonderful experience. Great time. The weather turned out to be perfect. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean, like, you've got bluebirds. Drizzled just a little bit when we were at the Bronte house. But that was it. Well, you need a little bit of that color to uh, to give the uh, the Heathcliff and uh, Catherine uh, experience. But the disappointment for me was that because of my 
weakness now and my legs not being able to carry me. We couldn't walk any of the motors. I, I you know, I could barely walk upstairs at the Bronte Parsonage. But uh, nevertheless, we had a good time. Looks like a great trip. Yep. Where did this love of uh, where did this love of the Brontes and the English North come from? Don't know. The movie Wuthering Heights, of course, inspired me. That's the uh, Olivia de Havilland no, and no, no. nope. Which one was that? Uh, Sir Lawrence Olivia. Lawrence Olivia, yeah. And uh, wasn't Olivia de Havilland? Who was no, it? No, I forgot. Thinking Gloria Swanson. But no, I should know this because uh, just don't, just don't. If I ever come back, just don't ask me this one. Just okay. let let me let me skip this one. I'll leave this one out. Uh, yeah, the old the old movie. Also, how green was my valley? Isn't that doesn't that take place in the? Uh, no, that's Wales. Oh, that's Wales. That's the Welsh mining. Community. Got it. That's still. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, the the movie um, always touched me, and uh, before Gene and I got married, I I envisioned a romantic holiday for us. So we traveled there and we walked the moors in the rain, and uh, we've been back there now four or five times, and we always enjoy it. It's it's lovely countryside. It's really cool. Are very friendly, and uh, we've stayed in. Tiny little places. Uh, there are some rooms that are rented out above an apothecary shop right across the street from the church. And we were at a bed and breakfast not too far away from there. And uh, this time we were at a, a very swanky hotel in just outside of Ripon uh, in North Yorkshire. Uh, Swinton Abbey. And That's a classic name. Yeah. 20,000 acres. So it's pretty big. The the abbey the the building itself is fairly old and uh, but quaint and nice and uh, good food and friendly people and you can't ask for much more than that. That's awesome. I I I don't have a greatest hits place where I just want to keep going back because I I guess I just haven't traveled enough yet. So like if I it'll come. Yeah, I, if I settle down, maybe Bali. I really like Bali. The the old Hindu, uh, old Buddhist uh, temples and uh, and the old Hindu temples and uh, well, as long as you combine the old Buddhist temples and the old Hindu temples, with even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. With a Four Seasons hotel, <laughs> uh, then you're fine. Yes. Well, at this point, I made a critical error. I've been to Bali, and it was stupid to me to label Bali as Buddhist. It's not. It's Hindu. An island of Hinduism in the world's most populous Muslim nation, Indonesia. How did that happen? Well, here's a little to learn. This is a little to learn with Austin Rogers. How did Bali become Hindu in the world's most populous Muslim nation? Here we go. 
Indonesia is an archipelago nation of over 17,000 islands located in the south of the southern tip of Southeast Asia and stretching 3,181 miles from the Indian Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. Bali is a tiny island more or less in the south center of this archipelago, directly off the coast of Java, Indonesia's most populous island. Java, along with the rest of Indonesia, is 87.2% Muslim, yet 83.5% of the 4.2 million person population of Bali is Hindu. While historians don't have a clear picture on when exactly Hinduism arrived in Indonesia, most agree that it had been there since at least the 1st century CE. In the 5th century CE, a Chinese explorer reported major schools of Hinduism in Java, so it was well established by then. A thousand years later, in about 1400 CE, Muslim sultans from mainland Asia began invading, then carving up kingdoms in Indonesia, forcing Indonesia's Hindus into increasingly isolated pockets. One of these defensible pockets was the island of Bali. Hinduism might have been completely marginalized if not for the sultans fighting amongst one another, and then the arrival of the forces of Dutch colonization. This effectively halted the encroachment of other religions upon the island, and Bali maintained its status as a Hindu bastion. In 1945, the constitution of the newly independent Indonesia stipulated religious freedom, but the Muslim-majority government soon created laws that disenfranchised any member of a religion that is non-monotheistic, does not have a prophet, and doesn't have a holy book to create religious laws. But Balinese Hindus adapted, merely decreeing their form of Hinduism to be monotheistic due to the overarching, undivided, infinite nature of the divine, absolute cosmic law and petitioned the Indonesian government, had their definition of monotheism accepted, and were declared an official religion of Indonesia. A perpetual reminder of this story is embodied in the Kanang Sari, small offerings of fruits, nuts, and flowers placed on the streets of Bali in thanks to Sang Hyang Hwitiwasa, the Agama Hindu Dharma, or Supreme One God of Balinese Hinduism. This has been A Little to Learn with Austin Rogers, and now back to A Lot to Learn. Still, unfortunately, with Austin Rogers. Yes, well, that is around the corner, okay. and it has got a very nicely manicured uh, uh, grounds, uh, but maybe a little bit lower than the Four Seasons. Sometimes, so uh, if you need travel advice, you can always come to me. Too many, uh, too many staff uh, sort of freak me out. I don't like being overly waited on, and like when you round a corner and you see, you know another guy saying how are you today sir can i help you with anything i'm like i'm just walking to my room i'm just walking to my room leave me alone and if you go to the four seasons in bali they have houses small houses and you're pretty much separate from uh, the main part of the hotel and you have your own little uh, dipping pool uh, right outside your bedroom and you don't have to be bothered if you don't want to be bothered by staff or other people and uh, it's kind of nice. Actually, that sounds way better. Yeah, since I don't like people too much. Um, what's the uh, what's the next travel? Where are you thinking next? Oh, I have to go back to Canada in a couple of weeks for the uh, my alma mater, the University of Ottawa. I'm introducing our guest speaker in the Trebek Dialogue Program. And then because I'm honorary president of the Royal Canadian Geographic Society, while I'm there, I'll have to attend an event for them. And then I come back here. And outside of that, I don't have anything that's on the radar in terms of long-distance travel. But oddly enough, uh, Jeannie and I didn't mind the long flight from Los Angeles to Manchester. And there is a direct flight from L.A., uh, 10 hours Coming home, for some reason, there wasn't uh, a direct flight. I had to fly from Manchester to 
uh, Amsterdam and then Amsterdam home, so it made for a very long day. But coming back, you always get it get over it much faster than going over in the other direction because you're yeah, because you're the just way- dealing with a longer day as opposed to a change of day and night going over. But uh, so I can see us. Uh, we've supported World Vision charities in uh, Africa and. Uh, they would like us to come back because we have adopted a village that has grown and uh, we've helped expand the school and the medical facilities and they'd like us to come back and, you know, be fated. And uh, so we may do that. That's How can people donate to that if they are so inclined? Oh, just go to worldvision.com and uh, you'll be able to donate. I mean, they're, they're a major charity in the world for uh, children's... Uh, sponsorship and also for emergency relief and for working on changing communities. They're working in uh, northern Kenya uh, in a small village where female genital mutilation is Mm -hmm. practiced and uh, we're trying to stop the community from doing that and they've been the uh, village leaders, male of course, uh, have been very accommodating and they are understanding how unfair it is to those young girls to uh, that pra- to undergo that practice how and does one open that dialogue in such a, a, a cloistered uh, cultural mindset well it may be a cloistered cultural mindset but keep in mind that there are always people out there with cell phones and who are connected to the internet and the world and they know that the world is a very different place and women have achieved their rightful place in our society and not in every society but it's changing and it's changing for the better and they recognize that I mean they understand that uh, for instance in so many communities the ones who earn the money and the ones who are the best risks for lenders are the women are the women who pay back the loans yep the men kind of just lollygag around yeah and uh, so yeah so we're very happy to be able to support world vision in that and some other charities as well so good excellent all right well i think that's our time right now okay alex this has been an immense immense pleasure thank you so much for being so hospitable uh and everyone tune into uh, what's the name of that game show again uh it's the one that's right next to Wheel of Fortune. Right. Jeopardy. 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 Yeah. Jeopardy. On your, check your local listings to see uh, Mr. Alex Trebek in Jeopardy. And uh, Tournament of Champions in uh, early November. Tournament of Champions airs in early November. Thank you very much, Alex. Okay. Thank you so very much for joining us. If you found this Jeopardy-related content interesting, be sure to check out my other episodes on Jeopardy. What is Jeopardy's strategy with the one and only Buzzy Cohen? and an analysis of the brave new world of Jeopardy in the episode entitled What is the James Holsauer Era? with Jeopardy champions Keith Williams and Monica Tew. Before we let you go, here's my question of the week, recorded live at the Wayland on 50th Street and 10th Avenue in New York City. If you think you know the answer, tweet it at me to at Austin Tylero and let me know what you think and what other questions you'd like to hear about or else you'd like to know for a little to learn as well. That's at Austin Tylero. T-Y-L-E-R-R-O on Twitter. Number eight. Number eight in advertising. In 1959, 
This one-word headline launched Volkswagen's revolutionary Think Small campaign. A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers has been produced by Maria Gibson, Limitless Media, and myself, Austin Rogers. Please follow me on Instagram at A-U-G-R-A-27, at Twitter on the at Twitter at Austin Tylero dot Twitter dot whatever and all those other things. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe via Apple Podcasts and Spotify and the Spitchers and the Switchers and the Googles and the Boogles and the Moogly Doogly Googlies. I did not write this portion out. See you guys next week. Thank you very much.